Well, welcome to episode 25 of the Coventry, Coventry Telegraph podcast, While We Sing Together. I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Wilson, who provided language services to the Sky Blues for over 10 years, back in the day when the club were able to afford foreign players, Paul. Uh, <laughs> indeed, it seems yeah. a lifetime ago, but I mean, at the moment, you, um, um, to bring people up to speed, you are an education and language consultant, um, having worked at uh, the University of Warwick for, for several years um, prior to that. But um, So first of all, Paul, I mean, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the football club and, mm-hmm. and what your role was, really. Okay, uh, well, thanks for the, the welcome, Andy. Um, so, yeah, I grew up as a Sky Blue supporter, and my earliest memories were being carried over the turnstile by my dad. Um, and I suppose having the first memories of seeing Trakia Plovdiv and Bayern Munich kind of spoiled me for, for the rest of my Sky Blues uh, career. Um, so yeah, I was always uh, a supporter, tried to get to matches whenever I could. Um, my work uh, developed in the 80s um, in terms of language teaching, so I spent a couple of years working in Spain teaching English. Uh, I came back uh, in the late 80s and did a postgrad qualification so started working in, in further and higher education uh, in Coventry and Warwickshire so when Coventry signed uh, Jose Perdomo in 1991 I think it was um, at the time I was working on uh, how to teach different professions sort of vets and scientists and engineers uh, how to design programs in English for for different professions and it occurred to me that um, there was a gap for footballers who needed communication skills in, in English uh, guys who were coming from uh, other countries um, with little English so um, so I approached the club at that time uh, they were keen to involve me with with Jose Perdomo uh, he didn't stay for very long, although I think he was actually quite a decent footballer, but things didn't work out, unfortunately, um, so things didn't materialise at that time. So the, there was the, the interest to bring in some sort of language support, I think, at that time, and then in the more towards the mid-90s, uh, when Gordon Strachan, uh, Ron Atkinson were in charge, that was the beginning of uh, a time when the uh, other players were brought in and I think the first one that I, I worked with uh, in any uh, consolidated kind of way was, was Régis Genot, uh, the Belgian player, defender, uh, brought in in I think 96. Um, although from Belgium, Northern European, uh, you might imagine with, with quite good English, but that wasn't the case. So he arrived with very little English, and so uh, it was a matter of gauging what he did have in terms of language and in working out a programme to help him. Mm. Football language for on the pitch and on the training ground, but also uh, some social English as well, so he could actually communicate in the changing room, uh, in social situations, um, go to the bank, go to shops, go to restaurants, all of that kind of language. Mm. So, um, so that that was the first experience. Sadly, um, 
I saw that Reggie passed away um, of um, some injuries in his 30s. Um, yeah, it was 2008, I think he was age 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, very, very sad. But, I mean, for, for younger listeners, um, I might just add that um, he was a, a right-back and yeah. made 22 uh, international appearances for his country mm-hmm. and was signed from Standard Liège um, and uh, only played four games for the Sky Blues before joining Udinese. Yeah, but, uh, he, he had lots of injuries, I remember. Um, one of his first games was at home to Liverpool, where he was really keen to, to impress, I think. Put in a few really <coughs> stern challenges. Um, was Had a few free kicks given against him, at, at which point I remember that he made this... Um, this gesture with his with his arms and hands, which it got him a booking uh, <laughs> that he couldn't quite understand, and that that was quite a good example early on. That uh, even from a, a country that was quite sort of European and nearby, that there were different ways of doing things and different expectations, mm. sort of culturally. Um, so having to kind of explain that you know, referees in in Britain just don't like having gestures. Made at them at that time, I think that was, that was kind of acceptable, maybe in other leagues. Yeah, but um, uh, nice guy. Yeah, very sad that he, he passed away. Yeah. Did he come over with his family, or was he just a, a young single guy at the time? Or? He had a partner who came over. Um, so part of the, the support was f- helping to find a house for him. Uh, for a lot of these guys, their, their first experience is uh, being holed up in a hotel room, mm. and for some of them, that that might actually been several weeks worth. Mm. And I think that that was really difficult for them in coming to a whole new environment um, and then being kind of confined. Okay, it's it's nice to have your meals cooked and provided and a comfortable hotel, but. In terms of them being able to acclimatise, it was actually not helpful mm. in lots of cases. And I guess you were sort of, you know, their port, first port of call, really. Sort of, you become quite a good friend of them, really, because you know, you were their sort of um, go-to man, really, for for help. Or what do I do here? Or how do I do this? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I think at the time, Andy Harvey in the club was was giving lots of that support as well, um, but as their, their language tutor, um, and then they would come to me with problems, why have I got this letter? And okay, let's have a look. So it's a speeding ticket. <laughs> uh, and this is the money that you need to pay, and this isn't how you need to do it. And uh, have you got online banking? Uh, no, so uh, so that that kind of support was uh, yeah w- was I think really important for them just mm. to be able to, to to find their feet culturally and socially within the country, mm. um, just understanding just how things work with council tax and, and all kinds of other things mm. which maybe they they were unfamiliar mm. with. The ne- next one that um, you had dealings with was um, Alex Eftershok, a mm-hmm. Ukrainian international, eight caps I think he made, and another one of um, Big Ron stroke Gordon Strachan signing, a big central defender. Um, but there's a bit of a theme uh, developing here, uh, Paul, because he only made three appearances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, again, was it that Big Ron was a, a, a poor judge of players, or was it that you were the kiss of death? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, yeah, exactly. 
Um, no, I, again, Alex Eftershock was well regarded in his own country, um, but maybe coming over to, to play in the Premier League, um, he wasn't uh, prepared in lots of ways for the, the change of style of play, uh, the language. Um, I think he had his partner with him. Um, they, they had a house set up. But um, I think there's, there was often a sort of difference of expectations that these guys had come from playing in a successful setup in their own country mm. and thought that they would be having first team football from the off in, uh, in the Premier League. That didn't happen. They were playing uh, reserve matches maybe uh, on a Tuesday night in Barnsley. Yeah. Uh, and, and this uh, in the middle of November. Uh, yeah. So, so that kind of added to the, uh, the sort of shock that they were experiencing, mm. I think. Um, so yeah, with, with Alex, I, I, I don't know the detail of uh, how things went sort of football-wise, but um, I think when he did get the chance, he wasn't sort of playing his best somehow. Um, yeah, I think he was the first Ukrainian to play in the top flight, so I understand. And um, mm -hmm. but I mean, he was thrown in the deep end um, against Manchester United, and sadly, um, subbed after thirty minutes um, in a three-one defeat. Which uh, yeah. yeah, so it was obviously a really was a you know thrown in at the deep end. There was yeah. a real shock to the system. Yeah, no, but, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, next one, um, the next player that sort of came over from overseas was um, a big name and, and did relatively well, uh, Viral Moldovan, mm -hmm. 1998, one of uh, Gordon Strachan's uh, signings, a, a striker from Grasshoppers Zurich in mm -hmm. Switzerland, um, Romanian international, 70 caps, 25 goals for his country, um, played and scored against England, of course, in 98 World Cup, um, which Indeed. I remember well. Mm -hmm. um, but and he, and he played 10 league games and uh, scored two goals, famously the winner at Villa Park in the FA Cup to put him down uh, in sky blue folklore. Mm -hmm. but, um, but he didn't really fit in, did he? So, uh, yeah, I think Virel was one of the players who arrived with very, very little English. So that, that put him at a disadvantage straight away. I think he arrived with high expectations, maybe fuelled by uh, agents and, and other backroom people that, that were with him that because he was a Romanian international he'd scored goals at Grasshoppers that he would have a first team place pretty much automatically mm. uh, and of course at that time we've got Dion Dublin and uh, Huckabee uh, Whelan so he, he didn't get into the team straight away um, and I think his his advisors were uh, probably sort of thinking, well, you know, he, he ought to be playing first team football regularly. Um, the goal at Villa, I think, helped him at least show something that that he could do. And then, of course, as you mentioned with with Romania, um, uh, then you know he he got one over on England. But I think the. The expectations in in that case were were just so different mm. that that he found it difficult to to actually focus on his football when he was on the pitch or when he was on the training ground, and the lack of of language mm. meant I think that's really difficult for for people who can't communicate just on a, a, a 
sort of everyday level in the changing rooms that they're, mm. they're not part of the the jokes and the stories that are being yeah, told. Because the banter in the dressing room, it's the yeah. thing that keeps the dressing room ticking, isn't it? Yeah. The, the group bonds them all together, really. Yeah. It's the glue, isn't it? So being outside of that, because you don't have the enough language, mm. I think it's just really tough. Yeah. So regardless of the, uh, the, the wages and the, the status that a player has, if they don't have the language, mm. it's, it's really difficult. Mm. And I think, I mean, it probably didn't help, but um, I mean, obviously you get rivalries within a team, you know, and, and I, I always got the sense at the time that, that Darren Huckabee felt threatened by his arrival. Um, I mean, I remember there was uh, an incident at the training ground where Huckabee was, um, went around defacing action pictures of him in the... Um, in the canteen, uh, um, which didn't obviously didn't, didn't go down too well. <laughs> I um, imagine. Yeah. So you know you've got that sort of friction within mm. the squad, within the team. Yeah, it's probably even harder, isn't it, for him to settle? Yeah, and I, I wasn't aware of that, that particular story, but but yeah, I think that that just shows the difficulty when your face doesn't quite fit, mm. and if you haven't got the language to be able to just get to know people. Mm. Then you you kind of remain outside the group. And what was he like as a character? What was he like? As a he was a very quiet guy. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, he, he was keen to to develop his English, um, but I recall that um, he was frequently being called up by his agent, uh, who was kind of obviously talking about all the different angles open to him. Mm. So so I had the impression that really you know he wasn't in a position to really focus on his, his football mm. um, and, and incidents as, as you described there just made it really difficult for him to feel mm. part of a group mm. and you know I mean when you went in you, I suppose you, the first thing you do is you sort of teach them the football vocabulary which is then made doubly difficult when they're dealing with like a, a strong Scottish accent or, or whatever yeah absolutely so um, I, I devised um a set of materials uh, I spent some time at the training ground to make sure that I had a, an insight into the kind of instructions that were being shouted from the sidelines uh, the, the sort of maybe some of the colourful language as well uh, and then came up with um, yeah with, with almost like a dictionary which um, uh, was the sort of basis for, for helping them to understand but of course, words on the page don't match what's being shouted 50 yards away mm. in, in a uh, Glaswegian accent or whatever different accents that mm. were on the training ground. So, yeah, they, they many of the players, I think, struggled to really get to grips with, with the, the sort of informal uh, style of, of language. So in English, there's lots of phrases that sort of um, give it and let it go. Uh, it's not just one word mm. but it's a whole load of little words um, and to just get to grips with all of that I think was for, for many of them it was a real challenge mm. so uh, and as you say you know the the accents uh, just made it sort of doubly difficult so I think for, for some of them they, they used to tell me uh, all I understand is is the manager happy is the manager angry uh, or does he want me to do something? And in which case, maybe uh, if you could draw it on a diagram, that that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw a photo as we were 
talking about meeting up to, to do this podcast. I, I saw a photo of um, Israel Zuniga preparing to come on as sub with Gordon Strachan giving him some very intense instructions and I can just see that look in, <laughs> in Israel's eyes and I know that at that point that he, he wouldn't have understood. I'm going to clue. Yeah, he wouldn't mm. have understood what, uh, what was being asked of him in, in sort of specific mm. footballing instructions. But, mm. um, I mean, you could almost have done with being there in the touchline, didn't you? You know, in the dugout. To, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that that was kind of discussed as a possibility. Um, I, I think it, it would have had some benefits, but it could have also become a bit of a distraction as well. Um, so I, th- I think there, were, there was a sense that once they're on the pitch, you know, they were pretty much kind of on their own. And mm, okay, mm. you need to focus on your football. Yeah. It's not the time to be doing lots of translation and, mm. and so on. Um, so I suppose most of the players kind of learn to just adapt to that and, and mm. just get on with their football. Mm. But um, but yeah, the the time that I spent at the training ground, uh, just noting down what were all the sort of key phrases. What what were the what was the language of the defence for squeezing and pushing up and mm. all sorts of other sort of movement. Um, so yeah, that that was then put into the lessons, so that, that they could just become more familiar with it and then try it out. Um, and then yeah, sometimes they they would get applause on the training ground for the the kind of language that they were able to to use. Um, so yeah, it, it it paid off for some of them, but uh, but it, it was a big challenge. And um, I mean, one of them. I'm assuming he might. He's probably one of your favourites. Um, certainly one of the fans' favourites, and one of my my old favourites is Big Mo. Um, Big Mo Konyuk came mm-hmm. there in 1999, mm-hmm. signed from Monaco, mm-hmm. Bosnian, um, and he actually played um, quite a lot of games for Coventry, 138, and um, four goals, um, but not as many games as perhaps he should have done because mm-hmm. his his was another career blighted by injuries, but. Um, but I mean, such a lovely guy. I mean, I met him. I know you wanted to meet him up with him when he came back um, for the Legends Day, which mm-hmm. was unfortunately postponed. But um, such a lovely guy, wasn't he? He was. Uh, he is really motivated to improve himself. His background, coming from Bosnia, was uh, was a very difficult one because of the the, the wars that had been mm. happening in the early nineties. Uh, so very difficult sort of uh, background to to his football career because um, he actually fought in the war, didn't he? He yeah. And he had that terrible accident, didn't he, where he broke both his arms in a crash in a Land Rover, I yeah, think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So mm. um, so yeah, I think I think he saw the football as, as an outlet mm. away from that, um, but was really well motivated. To, to develop himself as a footballer so yeah it uh, became a real favorite on the pitch uh, for supporters because he always gave you know absolutely everything mm-hmm. it was a shame that he he had injuries um, in 99 and 2000 so by the time he actually played more regularly we, we'd been relegated mm-hmm. um, but 
Yeah, his his motivation showed through in how he wanted to improve his language skills as well. So, um, yeah, he he was always fluent. Mo was, but uh, I th I think some of the early uh, interviews that he did, I remember uh, thinking, okay, he's very fluent. He's, he's quite confident, but um, sometimes a little bit tricky to understand what's what's actually being said. So uh, he worked really hard mm. on his language uh, and um, his, his wife as well, Edita, was, was keen to develop her English as well. Um, so I think that was kind of part of what made him really attractive uh, in terms of becoming a favourite for the fans that um, you know, he was really focused, doing his best on the pitch um, but improving himself off the pitch as well, mm. um, language was part of that. Mm. So, um, so yeah, um, uh, it was unfortunate not to see him on uh, the the recent visit, but I'm um, hoping to catch up with him for one of the next times that he's here. Mm. Well, it was interesting because um, Big Mo was a great from a journalist's point of view because you'd ask him one question mm -hmm. and he'd talk for two or three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, you know, some players it's really hard work. You know, you, you struggle to get a sentence out of them in, yeah. uh, in one answer. But yeah. um, he was great. But again, you know, um, you know, you got the sense that he really cared about what he wanted to yeah. say and yeah. um, and really sort of took his time over it. And, and that was still the case actually. When I I did speak to him um, a month or so ago when he came back and I did a little video interview with him and he was really self conscious about how it would come across. He he. he mm. He was a bit reluctant, if I'm honest with you, and he wanted to do sort of just like a, a sit-down interview that would be written on the page or mm. on, on the internet rather than a video because mm. he didn't want to come across as if his English wasn't that good. I mean, obviously, mm. probably a little bit rusty in his mind, but mm -hmm. obviously, you know, nothing wrong with his English whatsoever. No, no, no. Um, and, uh, but no, that's... No, uh, I saw that, that video, the, the interview you did, and uh, yeah, it just reminded me... Just the enthusiasm that mm. he speaks with, yeah. um, the sort of passion for football and for Coventry that's yeah. obviously still there. Yeah, um, yeah, just a really nice guy, yeah. cared for his his fellow players as well. Yeah. So I think some of the younger guys that came from abroad uh, after him, he, he kind of took them under his wing and gave them support. He lived nearby some of them as well. So, so that, yeah, he he was just really um, kind of caring guy in terms of uh, supporting other mm. people, um, and for him, yeah, the the the, the English language uh, development that he that he had was mm. was fantastic. Mm. So yeah, uh, for a language teacher, same as for you, uh, having somebody that just talks a lot mm. is just fantastic. Yeah. So you don't have to sort of draw things out mm. but you can uh, say okay give me a report on last night's match uh, and then we'll work on some of the language and he just talked for sort of 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much Paul thank mm. you for uh, that um, fascinating insight into some of City's uh, uh, foreign stars mm -hmm. uh, of the past and uh, I appreciate your time oh, my thank pleasure. you